Hello, Lesson Impossible listeners. If this is the first episode of the podcast that you're listening to, just a note that this episode is different from the rest. If you're looking for interviews with educators about innovations in their practice, you can check out the most recent episode with Kwame Sarfo-Mensa, where we discuss teacher identity. However, if you're interested in something new, please keep listening. A little background. Occasionally, I will get messages from businesses asking to come on the podcast. It has been my policy to say no. Sorry, Mensch on the Bench, aka the Jewish Elf on the Shelf. But after some reflection, I realized that there are a lot of online educational resources out there, and it might make teachers' lives a little bit easier during this pandemic if I were to highlight a few. Therefore, I'm starting a new series of bonus episodes that I'm calling Meet the Resources where educational product innovators can discuss the resource that they have created. To relate this to the Mission Impossible theme, I'm hoping to feature the educational equivalent of gecko gloves, smart contacts, or flute guns. Technology that has been created to make your impossible lessons actually possible. Before we begin, I want to make it clear that I'm not endorsing any products that I feature, though I'll only cover them if I think they have merit for working teachers nor am I receiving any compensation whatsoever. With that out of the way, the first person to be featured in this bonus series is Valerie Sarah of Lesson Alive, who I spoke to over Zencaster in mid-April. We began with Valerie introducing herself. Okay, so I am Valerie Sarah, and I am the CEO and co-founder of Lesson Alive. Lesson Alive is a marketplace that actually connects educators and learners to professionals who bring their real-world expertise into classrooms, in schools, or even home learning environments. Um, And they do that via virtual lectures and also school assemblies. And what was the inspiration behind that? Like, what made you want to to do that? Like, are you yourself an educator? So I have a very non-traditional path into education industry, and I'd love to share that story with you for a moment. It actually starts with my husband, who is the president and co-founder alongside me, and he actually has been a longtime school assembly presenter. He is um, actually a competing um, professional BMX bike rider, and just had a passion for bringing his stories, both, you know, motivational um, as well as, you know, learning opportunities into schools over 10 years ago. And so he started this journey of a school assembly business um, quite some time ago. And through the many years of experience he had connecting with educators and that, you know, was principals and teachers and even parents He and alongside him, myself, learned a lot about what these educators were looking for from their speakers who were coming into schools and speaking to students. And so the birth of a school assembly marketplace started quite a few years ago. And while he actually ran that business and and has had a, a wonderful school assembly business, which he still has and loves we actually came across opportunities where educators were actually asking us to expand the types of programs that we were offering into their schools. 
So for instance, while he was bringing motivational programs and behavioral programs, they started to ask questions about academic programs and bringing academic speakers in who could teach something within an academic subject, which was a little bit different than where he was, which was more um, general speaking, which was you know motivational and behavioral types of topics. And so it started us on a new journey to start to include academic subjects in the catalog, which then translated really fairly quickly into what is now Lesson Alive, um, where we actually expanded the marketplace and started to offer virtual programs that went you know, much broader than, than what we were able to offer in person. Taking a look through your website, you have things like um, the option of having like a professional marketing executive can talk to a class about how to, to do his or her job along with like you said, the, the motivational piece about, you know, finding your why. How, how do you find your speakers? So in many cases over the last, you know, year or so that we've really been expanding our reach into more of the academic subjects, we have in many cases actually personally recruited from within our own network. So I'll pause for a minute and give you a little bit of my background. I spoke a lot about my husband's background and where, where he actually came from, but I have been outside of education for most of my 20-plus career, working in consulting at PricewaterhouseCoopers and then in technology and healthcare um, with Cognizant. And so my professional network is really where we started to begin to bring programs that were more academically focused into the catalog. And so it was a lot of personal outreach at first, um, where we would actually, you know, contact specific individuals and say, we have interest in this specific topic. And most of that interest was being driven by educators. They were coming to us with ideas for different types of programs that they would like to see for their classrooms or for their schools. And we really just started to reach out and say, hey, would you be interested in bringing your expertise into the classroom environment? And um, there's very few people who said no, to be honest with you. So many experts in their fields are, are just interested and passionate about educating the next generation from their perspective, which is very much, you know, real world, what I'm doing right now in this workspace and where I see it going in the next, well, in some cases, several decades, because in a lot of scenarios, we're talking to students who are, you know, even several decades away from really being in the workforce. Other than your husband, do you have a couple favorite presenters that you feel really proud of? Well, I have to give a, a shout out right now to Dr. Eva Pell, who had a program just last week, in, and it was just phenomenal. We brought third through sixth graders together and had a program on species endangerment. And Dr. Pell, who is a um, former undersecretary for science at the Smithsonian, just did a wonderful job bringing all of these students from really across, not just the U.S., but, but students from across the world. We had over 500 schools register to attend this event, come together and just have a, a wonderful presentation and fun discussion about species endangerment. 
And so, you know, she is one, you know, wonderful example of the, the great talent that we have who is willing to take the time and effort to not just tell their stories, but teach something to these students that just feels really tangible. You know, it's not just out of a textbook. It's a real world um, type of experience that just opens their minds and just provides a deeper learning experience for the students. And so now with COVID and so much at-home learning, how has that affected your business model? Well, as you can imagine, all of our in-person programs are on hold right now. So um, unfortunately, the end of the school year, which is where we are right now, really, um, you know, getting close to summer break, is when most schools actually have the majority of their school assembly programs. And they really start to bring in a lot of expert speakers and and fund school assemblies. So unfortunately, that has meant that a lot of our programs have had to postpone, and hopefully we'll see that um, turn around for the fall if we could get everybody back into classrooms again soon. But um, that has been, number one, the, the obviously the biggest change. And then number two, what we have attempted to do to really support the educator and student community during this time is to focus on bringing programs that are highly relevant to the current environment. So for instance, um, next week we have a series of programs that are focused on online um, kindness and, and teaching students how to be good online citizens because obviously they're all working remotely right now and they're spending a lot of time on technology. So we have a program that's, that's actually called Practicing Kindness Online. Um, we also have a program coming into the catalog that is um, focused around time and organizational management and why that actually matters now <laughs> when most of the students don't feel like they need to worry about that. Um, so we're doing some interesting things where we're taking our normal catalog and transitioning a little bit with the experts into programs that are just highly relevant to the time so we could bring content that's needed right now to help educators make their transition and help students make their transition. And so with that, you know, if I could just add one other item, what we're doing that's a little different in our model, besides transitioning some of our programs, is we're actually creating webinars where normally schools or classrooms would call us directly to book a program specific to their student audience. So they would call a specific expert and book a unique program and bring it into their class or into their school. Right now, we're just, we're organizing webinars and inviting anyone to come. So we have students joining from different classrooms, from different schools, from different states, all together in large-scale webinars. So that way, the teachers who are so busy right now transitioning to different types of online learning models, who are focused on caring for some of our at-risk students, and, you know, really focused on the right things that they should be focused on right now. Um, what we're trying to do is bring content and make it really, really easy for them to bring their students to our programs by not even having to come to us to book a program. Instead, we're saying, come at this date and at this time and bring your class. And so we're just trying to make it really easy to bring you know, interesting and engaging content that really requires like no effort by the, by the 
um, teachers and really by the parents too, in, in many cases. So when I was in the classroom and booking speakers to come, I was always very curious about how the pricing model was designed because it, it seemed uh, like I, I couldn't find a pattern in why things cost a certain amount or why certain speakers were more or less or or all that stuff. So maybe you could share how you decide what a a speaker's time is worth. Sure. So, and that is such an interesting um, point of view that you have. And it's so true. There is a, a very diverse population of programs and presenters out there, including in our marketplace. And so um, we actually allow the speakers to set their own price. So we as a marketplace do not dictate the price of the program. We do offer suggestions and guidance based on our experience, based on what we can see in the demand in the market. Um, But at the end of the day, the decision is really that of the expert. And so, um, you know, what what we tend to see is a couple of different scenarios out there in this marketplace. Um, One is we have a lot of freelancers who have have businesses on their own and or who are maybe college professors who have um, some flexibility in their day to be able to offer programs like this that maybe other working professionals who are more nine to five and, and employed, you know, where they don't have a lot of flexibility, um, where they can offer a slightly different sort of perspective and model. And so what we have found is that those types of professionals um, are willing generally to be able to offer uh, what I would consider to be a fairly reduced rate for their time versus if they were actually out in a professional setting charging hourly for their time. Um, And to give an example of that, for instance, there's, um, you know, there might be an accountant, let's say, who on, you know, a normal day might charge something in the range of $200 um, for one hour of, you know, their billing time to work for a client. Whereas for a one hour um, classroom lecture on a specific topic, they are willing to do that for half or less. And so, you know, what we generally see is there's people who are just passionate um, about, you know, I want to teach. I want others to learn what I know. I want to give students an experience. And so I'm willing to do that at a rate that isn't my normal hourly rate. And so, you know, sometimes it's that passion that, you know, to teach and to bring story to the next generation that allows for those rates to come down and be something that's more, I'll call it palatable to the educational space who who don't often budget um, for those types of um, professional rates. And then, you know, the other aspect of it is there's certainly some experts out there who are even willing to do programs pro bono or basically for, you know, maybe cost of, um, of supplies, if you will, if they need some supplies, because they're doing that, again, either out of passion or in some cases we have experts who are um, also interested in getting professional development units perhaps within their profession. And so one way they can do that is by giving back. You know, there's still a passion there to give back and they still are passionate about speaking to the next generation because they could do other things to earn those credits. But because they see that as a a different kind of opportunity, they, again, might be willing to do it for a very low rate and in some cases um, free. Um, So, you know, just 
you know, sort of the third aspect or the third, third leg of that scenario is always, you know, what is the level of professional who's performing the program? Of course, then there's the aspect of virtual versus in-person, which in and of itself obviously, you know, suggests that clearly an in-person visit is going to be uh, much more costly. And really the driving force behind why we started to bring virtual programs um, into our catalog. Are there any grants or anything that schools can apply for to be able to cover costs that you know of? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm so glad that you asked that question. So one of the most interesting things that we have started to, to see is that a lot of um, school districts or regions, I will call them, right? So when you start getting into some states, they have more regional type of educational models where they have a like an intermediate unit or some type of division that works across many districts and then reports back into the state level. Um, what we're seeing is partnerships, um, oftentimes across districts and or intermediate units and into the state level to partner up to to actually um, submit for grants for those types of programs. And then also what we're starting to see is programs where we have local workforce development type of agencies who are willing to either sponsor programs or actually bring their own programs into the catalog and offer them to their local school districts at a you know, very low rate or in some cases um, for no cost. And so we're seeing a lot of different ways that different areas are leveraging funds that they have available, um, whether it's, you know, state grants. And generally, the grants are coming from the state level or regional grants from various types of um, educational foundations, et cetera. And then partnering up and, and using those monies to purchase programs um, within the catalog. So we see a lot of different scenarios like that. And um, we do try to... Um, when, when we see those things become available, we do make an effort to ensure that our users are aware, or, or, you know, our, our, um, when I say our users, you know, those who are connected to us, um, whether they're a user on our platform, and you could sign up for a free account anytime you want, um, or just connected to us through social media, you know, on Twitter or LinkedIn, um, or Facebook, and, and we just make sure that our audience knows about those opportunities and that they can leverage them. And then we're obviously happy to partner in any way to help support them in, um, you know, going after those funds and, and trying to secure them for their schools and their programs. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing about your program. And hopefully anyone listening who is looking for something like this, they've been able to find a way to have access to a marketplace. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for, for bringing me on. It's exciting to share our story. You know, we are um, a young company. And so one of the things that we thrive on is feedback um, from our educator audience telling us what they're looking for. So, you know, we build our programs really around the feedback that we receive either um, during a, a booking process or hopefully long before um, where people come to us with ideas on, on different types of programs that they would want to integrate into their existing curriculum. And so, you know, we do hope that educators come to us with ideas and, um, and continue to bring us, you know, different types of thoughts on how we can help them bring, you know, deeper learning experiences into their, into their classrooms 
by bringing working experts in as, as guest lecturers. So there you have it. The first of what could potentially be more bonus, Meet the Resources episodes. I'd love any feedback you have or any suggestions for resources that I should reach out to. As always, this has been Lesson Impossible, and I was your host, Aviva Levin.